I'm insanely competitive, right? And, and I try to utilize that uh, in a positive way. So I, I applied to the School of Human Ecology and really the only business focused major they had was personal finance. So I think really what keeps me going is really freedom. Welcome to Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. We have another great episode with a great guest. Oh man, Dre, I'm so excited to welcome William Kleiner to the podcast. William reached out to me on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, and he and I formed a sort of conversation, started talking, and I'm just really excited to have William on the show. But before we begin to turn it over to William, let me do a little background on William. William comes from a small town in Wisconsin and went to the University of Wisconsin for his education. He took a risky move by coming to Florida two years ago as an independent financial advisor at Florida Financial Advisors. With little money to his name and working 100% on commission, he had a very stressful start. Getting a business off the ground when you're 25 isn't easy but he poured a majority of his life into two years into building it up. And you know what, the, William showed that tenacity. As you know, Dre, I grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin, so we're fellow cheeseheads. And William, thank you for being on the show. And tell us about yourself, man. How was it? How was that move? And, and how was it working as 100% commission? Yeah, so first off, appreciate you guys having me, uh, the opportunity to be on your podcast. Pretty cool that you get to do it. Um, and yeah, it is stressful just a little bit on the path of how I got there. It wasn't linear whatsoever, right? I wasn't in high school saying I want to be a financial advisor or, or I want to make a commission-based job where I'm reaching out to people on a cold basis. You know, typically that's not where people are desiring to go when they're that age, right? So I went to college just knowing I wanted to pursue something in business, right? No really specialization, um, I thought I wanted to do marketing. I thought I wanted to do accounting, right? And then I started out at a small school called St. Norbert. Um, felt like high school to me. I transferred to the University of Wisconsin shortly after. Um, did not get into the business school. I applied, um, wasn't accepted. So I applied to the School of Human Ecology and really the only business focused major they had was personal finance. Right, which was specifically designed for this job. Now, despite really going through that entire coursework, that field, um, upon graduation, didn't want to do it. Right, kind of the thought of starting a commission-based job was daunting. Right, and I didn't want to go to a big firm and, you know, do paperwork for three years before even getting that opportunity. Right. So I decided to pursue grad school. Right. In retrospect, I think it was simply because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I decided I wanted to do something in the sports world. Right. I wanted to pursue sports analytics. So I went to the University of Marquette, um, pursued a degree in sports and exercise analytics and didn't really enjoy my first semester too much. During my second semester, that's when COVID hit. Um, and that was just kind of the wake up call to me, like, okay, th this clearly wasn't meant to be like, you need to do something with your life. Um, 
then when COVID hit, for some reason in my brain, I thought, well, I can't get a job. Nobody's getting jobs right now. It's the middle of COVID. So I worked at an Amazon warehouse for a few months. I worked at a grocery store for a few months. Um, and then just started applying for jobs probably after about half a year, uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And uh, It's tough. It was tough. And one of the few opportunities that I got was down here uh, in Tampa at Florida Financial. Right. And to be totally honest, was kind of oblivious when I was getting into the job. Right. Didn't know what it entailed. Didn't know how hard it was going to be. Um, but over some time, eventually bought in. Right. Kind of like anything in life. If you have that buy in, that's when you start to see success. Right. If you're half assing anything, you're never really going to see any type of result. Um, so I think it was really helpful for me, kind of somebody who was searching for what they wanted to do, maybe didn't have necessarily the strongest work ethic to be surrounded by such a cool atmosphere where everybody's working hard, pursuing things and being taught along the way how to do it, not just being left in the dark, um, but having mentors who can really train you one on one was a world of difference. Right now, two years later, um, I finally feel like an actual financial advisor. Right. I'm doing everything on my own, closing big, closing a lot of business. Um, so it feels good just two years ago thinking that I didn't know how to do anything relating to the job. Wow. That's interesting, Will. So as, as I hear your story, one word comes to mind, resilience, right? Um, perseverance is another word that comes to mind in terms of, you know, trying to find your way. And during COVID, during the start of COVID, I mean, what a is there a worse time to kind of try to figure out which direction you want to go in. Um, but you, you, you clearly came out on top in terms of realizing, Hey, this is what I want to do in terms of, you know, being a financial planner. So you mentioned that at some point initially you were, you, you, you weren't bought in, but over time you bought into it. Talk to me right. about what the catalyst was, what that, what that moment was. Was it one of your mentors? Was it you closing a big deal? What caused you to buy into this as a career path? I'm a very like curious individual. I like information. I like knowing things. Uh, and I think a couple of factors probably went into that buy-in. Number one was being surrounded in a really positive environment. Right? I'm surrounded by people who are very positive. We have very goal-oriented. Um, we have speakers every Wednesday who come in and talk to us, basically people who share their success stories, right? People who have written self-help books, um, just being surrounded in that environment by individuals who are constantly keeping a good mindset, kind of educating you on what you should be working towards. Because I think as a young person, you don't even really know what you should be working towards necessarily, right? So it's really helpful to kind of see somebody who's been successful and kind of look at their path and see how it applies to yours, right? So Makes I think sense. that was a big catalyst for me. And then, honestly, the training was a big catalyst, too. Like I said, I'm a curious individual. I like knowing things. Um, I like being knowledgeable around certain topics. So once I felt as though I had that knowledge, uh, at least enough to get started, right? Obviously, we're constantly learning, constantly getting better at what we do. Um, but once I felt like I had enough to close business, be confident doing the job, that was really the catalyst. Makes sense. Makes sense. So um, Smiley's in, in sales, too. So I know he, he. this is a question he probably... Um, has the answer to as well. I'm not, so I'm going to ask you this. 
having a commission-based business, it's your business, you're an entrepreneur, you're starting it, you own it, your success is determined by how hard you work each and every day. So what keeps your energy level up? What keeps your drive high when you haven't had a sale in a while or when you feel like people just don't recognize your value or a person you're selling to doesn't recognize your value? What keeps you getting up the next day and hitting the ground just as hard, if not harder, than you did the day before? I mean, I'm certainly not somebody who necessarily craves material wealth, but I think keeping the things in front of you that you want is a really important driver, right? So not that I want a boat, but let's say I wanted a boat someday. Well, if I'm looking at pictures of that boat every day, you know, that's going to drive me to want to perform the actions to put myself in a position where I can go get that, right? So I think really what keeps me going is really freedom. Right. I view money as freedom. I just want to be able to pursue the things I want. Um, really just go through life not having to worry. Right. I think that's really my biggest motivator is just having that freedom, not necessarily obtaining a lot of wealth, but just being able to pursue the things I want and not having money be an issue along the way. I like it. Uh, I like that, too. And Will, you mentioned um, you mentioned mentors, positive environments, weekly, every Wednesday you get some information. What could you share from us, say, from uh, something you learned from your mentor that was an epiphany moment or something you learned from a weekly session that you said, you know what, I didn't think like that, but it it enhanced your thinking because the knowledge was so uh, valuable that it resonated with your spirit and your work work ethic. Right. Really, two things kind of came to mind. If anybody I work with hears this, they'll laugh at the story because there's a gentleman who comes on that he talks uh, probably about every fifth or sixth Wednesday. His name is Doug Lenick, Um, and he's a really successful individual in his own right. He owns a company called Think to Perform. Um, But basically, people are a lot of talk, right? He tells a story about four frogs on a log. Um, One of them decides to jump into the river how many frogs are left on the log? Well, the answer is four because he simply just decided to jump. He didn't actually jump. So people talk a lot about doing things, but never actually do them. Right. So that was number one. And then kind of another thing from him, a line that he says is there's no end to better. Right. So even though we think we've kind of hit that pinnacle uh, or we think we've made it right, there really is no end. The The whole point is the journey. Um, so uh, I like that. And so that's one representative. So with what you know now, let's say it's Will and it's 2023. What would you say to Will 2019? Because you know who Will was back then and you know what was going in. You met this young guy here at Channel Side in Tampa, Florida, and you're like, this guy reminds me of myself in 2019 when I was his age. What would you say to him? Or what would you have said to yourself if you could go back in time and say, Will, it's going to be all right, or you're going to be a successful business guy in Florida, or what would you say to yourself back then? Just don't doubt yourself, right? And be more decisive. I think one of the things, and I still struggle with it, is being indecisive, right? So the the times in my life where I've had success is when I simply just made a decision and said, that's what I'm doing. Right. And then just kind of poured everything into it. So I think where I kind of lack 
or, or may, you know, could use some development is being more decisive around what I want to do. I'm so glad you said decisiveness because early in my career, um, I've, I've been in software for 30 years since 1988. And one of our executives used to say, he would say, Kev, a bad decision is better than no decision. And it took me a while to understand that. He's like, if you make a bad decision, you could change direction because you see it's bad and now you could change it, but you get the lesson. But if you make no decision, you don't learn what the bad or the good is because you're not making anything. So decide, course correct, decide, course correct. And it's not a straight line to success. It's a journey, as you mentioned. But by course correcting quickly and making a decision, then now you could say uh, you're growing. So I'm glad you mentioned decisiveness. I like that. Awesome. And I'm aware enough to realize I'm still very early on in my journey. So a lot, a lot, lots unfold. Yeah. In in terms of sales, um, there's a story that comes to mind that, um, I've shared with, with my children in terms of uh, trying them, trying to get them to have a different perspective on things. The story is there was a salesperson who went to an Island he was a shoe salesperson, went to an island to sell, sell shoes. Had never been there before, but he figured, let me go you know, check out the market. So he gets over there, and when he lands, he looks around. He's like, oh, man. He's deflated. A wasted trip. He realizes none of them wear shoes. Okay. So he gets back on his plane, on the plane, again, deflated, heads home. And he's, he's figuring, you know, where is, where is he going to go next? So he gets back to the office. Everybody's like, hey, how was it? You know, tell, tell me all about the trip. He's like, man, they don't even wear shoes over there. So one of the other sales per, per people that was uh, in the office was like, word? Okay. So he went and bought as many shoes as he could buy, packed up as many bags as he could pack, put them all on the plane, got over there, and convinced the people of the island the benefit of wearing shoes, sold them all. Sold all the shoes, right? So the mindset in terms of, you know, getting over there and realizing, ah, there's nothing here versus, oh, this is an opportunity. Will, tell me a situation or a a closing that you did that was maybe similar to that, where you had to kind of have a paradigm shift in in terms of, oh, there's actually an opportunity here that I didn't see originally. If I approach it from this other angle, I can close this deal. Right, so... One of the big things that I like to help people with, even though it's not necessarily, you know, the most sexy thing when it comes to financial advising is kind of consolidating debt. And then usually once you can help people figure that out, then they'll trust you with everything else. Right. So kind of where I kind of had a paradigm shift is I'm working on this case. This individual has you know, $50,000 in credit card debt. So uh, I'm trying to think of every way I possibly can to help them get rid of it, ideally in one go, because it's high interest rate credit cards. And I can't think of anything. This person doesn't have very much equity in their home. Um, They have an old 401k that has a significant portion of their retirement savings, but they've since started up at a new company and they're contributing to a new 401k plan. Right. So one of the things that I like to do is if I'm kind of stumped on a case, I I like to consult the people I work with. Right. People that have maybe seen something like this before. Right. Where I'm trying to get through to this individual. I can help you. I can help you. I can help you. But I'm not really telling them anything of value that they can take from me. 
So I consult this other individual who I work with and I'm saying, hey, can you help me out with this? Right? Because I'm trying to help this person get rid of 50 grand in credit card debt. Typically, when that happens, we try to either utilize equity in something they have, utilize a 401k loan, something like that. And came up with this idea and nothing unique we've come out with. I'm sure it's, it's been done in the past, but the idea was, well, we can't loan from the current 401k because there's not enough money in it. They just started working there, right? The old 401k had plenty of money in it. So what we did is we rolled the money from the old 401k into the current 401k, and then we loaned against it because you can only loan against an active plan. Mm -hmm. Right. So we were able to essentially solve this person's debt, something they could have never thought of really on their own. Um, and then after that, you know, they trusted me with everything else. Wow. Right. So that was a really cool scenario for me to really see unfold. Because um, you truly felt like, like you're helping somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. No, no that's I'm so glad you, you, you segue into that. So you are a personal financial professional. So what are you saying? Let's say what's your ideal candidate or what do you what do you say against people who say, I don't need a personal finance planner. There's all this information on YouTube, all this information on the Internet. So how what is your ideal prospect or customer or situation or what would you like to tell our listeners who are on the edge, who think that they can do it themselves versus this is why you need a financial planner? And this is why you need a financial expert. And this is why you can't do it yourself. Or this is why you shouldn't consider someone that's a professional like myself. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's a, there's layers to that question, right? So number one, the ideal candidate, um, for me at least, would be somebody who kind of is already interested in this stuff, but doesn't know a whole lot, right? That would be the ideal candidate. They're like, well... I've been meaning to learn more about it. I'm interested in it, but I simply just don't know a whole lot. And those types of people appreciate your knowledge the most. Um, and they love working with you. And as long as you treat them well, you know, they're going to be a client for hopefully the remainder of their life. Right. And get, what was the second part to that question? Like say, what do you say for people who think that they don't need a financial planner because they see, um, Susie Orban or Dave Ramsey has his channel and his podcast and they're like, well, why do I need Will when all this information is free? Why do I? Get so. Right. So I think there's just a lot of things that people don't consider and there's a lot of conflicting information as well. Right. So take Dave Ramsey, for example. Um, he believes in something called modern portfolio theory. Right. Modern portfolio theory came back out, came out in the 1950s. Right. Basically stating that we want a spread of assets right in different areas of the world. We want bonds. We want international. We want domestic investments. Uh, and it's a theory that worked really well for a long time. Right. But things have changed since the 1950s. Since then, the world has become a far more global place. So because of that, you know, we notice global markets actually trending together. Right. So the whole intention of modern portfolio theory is kind of these investments all acting as a hedge against each other. But really one thing that, you know, we've noticed as students of the economy is, well, global markets actually trend together and the U.S. is crushing the rest of the world when it comes to just overall GDP performance. Right. Mm -hmm. Typically, 
correlated with economic performance. So these are the types of things that maybe Dave Ramsey isn't educating you on. There's also a lot of things that you don't consider. There's more that goes into financial planning than picking an investment, right? It's kind of how can I utilize my assets to accomplish what I want, right? We're very goal-based individuals and we tailor the plan to the individual. Dave Ramsey has given you some type of blanket recommendation, right? When you have the mm -hmm. opportunity to sit down with an individual, the best advice can be given to you by somebody who actually knows you because there's emotion that goes into investing as well. Sometimes the most financially prudent decision may not always be the right decision for somebody because they don't want that. There's a certain emotion that goes into it, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, Indian people don't have an attitude towards debt. They just hate it. They don't want it at all costs, right? From a cash flow perspective, it may make sense to finance this house, right? But they don't believe in debt. So that could be one example where the right decision may not always be the most financially prudent decision either. So I guess there's a lot that go into it and each circumstance is unique. That's why it requires that one-on-one -on -one relationship to have somebody take the time to understand you, what you want and how you can go about accomplishing it. Also factoring in your emotions along the way. That, that's such a, uh, I'm sitting here and I, you get, it's almost like I, you threw water on me because I like the way you throw the cultural aspect of a situation into a financial decision, because you're right. If you're, if your culture says certain things about debt or about money or about investing in real estate or investing in, I'll say sin stocks like cigars, alcohol or whatever, you don't get that from a YouTube video. You get that by personally knowing who your, your customer is and what their nuances are and their beliefs and their belief systems drives. And such a great example with the Indian reference uh, because that, that just made a lot of sense to me. So thank you for sharing that. And I think for our listeners who who are considering a, the personal financial planners, uh, I think that's a great example that will explain why you get a lot more value from engaging a professional versus just building everything from the internet. So, Dre? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and just kind of piggyback on that. So a fee-only planner will compared to what you offer what's the what's the two or three just two or three differences key differences right so a fee only planner is really just going to be looking at performance right what they're looking at is trying to grow an account for you and charging a flat fee off of that account right that's called assets under management now what a comprehensive planner like myself does is considering everything along the way Right. Maybe the fact that you have kids to send to college um, or the fact that, you know, you, you have to have a distribution plan or there's a health care gap. Say you retire before 65. So there's just a lot of things to consider rather than just growing an asset um, when it comes to building out a financial plan. Right. People need to consider the things such as health care, distribution planning, estate planning, um, quarterly updates to their 401k investments, because that's not money that planners will typically touch because, that's with their company, right? But one of the big value propositions that I provide is, well, my clients, I take the time to learn about the company that they work at. I learn about the benefits. I learn about their 401k plan. Um, and that's really a good angle that we take that kind of makes us unique. So even though there's not 
things that we can actively manage or profit off of in terms of a, of a flat fee, um, we can still help by providing that comprehensive plan and consulting around things that we maybe can't actively manage. Great. Uh, we're going to go to the final four in just a second. Three quick questions for you. One is, so if I'm looking for the ideal planner, what makes you the person I need to select? Give me, give me three reasons why you are the person I need to trust to turn my financials around. Okay. Well, well number one, I feel like when hiring a planner, the, the biggest factor that goes into it is trust, right? So I think number one, uh, I don't expect the trust necessarily right away, but I like to take the time to get to know an individual, try to understand kind of their nuances, what they prefer, and then over time kind of build that trust, right? Rather than just expect it right away. Number two um, is, is I don't take kind of the salesy approach, right? I'm not going to try to be your best friend necessarily. There may be points in time where I even disagree with you, right? But at the end of the day, I'm going to outline options for you. I'm never going to push you in one direction. I'm always somebody who wants people who make, who are making decisions that makes them feel comfortable with what they're doing. Right. So I'm never going to push somebody in one direction or put them in a hole where I'm showing them something and say, Hey, I think you should do this. I always look at what they're trying to accomplish and say, Hey, here's three or four ways we could go about doing it. Um, what makes sense for you? Right. So that can make people feel comfortable. It can also help build that trust as well. And number three, um, I'm hungry, right? I'm trying to build a client base. You know, I'm trying to grow it as big as I possibly can. And, you know, you're not going to get that from a 50-year-old who's been doing it for 25 years and he's happy with where he's at, right? I'm, I'm trying to grow it. I'm trying to build it. And the only way to do that is to be good at what you do. And, you know, if you, if you work with me, I'm going to do as good as I possibly can because I'm trying to grow it. I'm trying to get referrals from you. I'm trying to grow that everything. So. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, your hunger, it shows. Um, from hunger, you know, comes passion you know usually they go, they go hand in hand um and it shows so thank you for sharing that next quick question is let's say 10 years from now tell me what what will's going to be doing where he's going to be what your life's going to look like oh man so i talk about this with my significant other all the time right like where are we going to be in five years where are we going to be in 10 years like right now obviously we're happy with where we're at but we're not content so I see myself probably transitioning back to the Midwest because that's where all my family is at some point in time. Um, maybe that's not 10 years from now. You know, maybe it's 15, maybe it's five, right? Future will tell. Um, but ideally owning my own financial practice, right? Kind of the whole point of joining a big organization like Florida Financial Advisors is it provides you the infrastructure to do the job, something that you could have never provided early on for yourself because you don't have nothing. Right. So they provide that infrastructure for you. They provide the training. They tell you how to do the job. Um, you know, you learn from multiple people. Everybody learns differently. So you can kind of find the individual or group of individuals that you learn the best from. Um, and then eventually utilize everything that I'm gaining from this experience to kind of springboard that into my own business. Right. And that's what I grew up seeing. My dad was a business owner. Um, I never saw myself as a business owner, ironically, growing up. And, um, kind of had that shift in myself as well where now I do. So 
Awesome. Awesome. And the last question before we kick it over to the final four, what's one thing that people don't know about you that you wish they did? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think people, just because of the, the persona that I give off, um, think that I'm a very easygoing, gentle, nice guy. And I would say that I am. But one thing that maybe you couldn't pick up on just from knowing me is that I'm insanely competitive. Right. And, and I try to utilize that uh, in a positive way. Right. You can be competitive and be kind of the sore loser type of individual. Um, but I try to put it out in areas where I believe it's going to benefit me, whether that be recreationally playing a sport or, or in the workplace. Wow. You know, what? I, 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 could, I could echo that because, like I said, Dre on LinkedIn, I get hundreds of dudes a week will reach out to me, say something. But Will, for one reason, he's, he's like, we connected. And it, it wasn't he wasn't over-the-top aggressive. He was just, like, normal. I was like, he felt like someone I knew. So this is, like, our second conversation, and uh, I, I'm just so glad he's here. So as part of the Final Four, Will, if you were to have dinner with three people at the dinner table, you're at the dinner table, four chairs, Alive or dead, who would you want to have dinner with and why? Anyone on the planet, alive or dead, who would you want to have dinner with and why? Okay, so didn't put too much thought into it. First name that came to mind was probably LeBron James. Um, I think he's probably the most exceptional, not only athlete, but maybe individual of, of our my generation. Um, my first love growing up was basketball and Probably started watching like right around the time he broke into the league. I was eight years old. Um, your video just came back. No, just kind of seeing the circumstances he grew up in. Obviously, my night life was absolutely nothing like his, but he's just an absolute inspiration, right? Was just kind of born in not ideal circumstances, but he's always been a guy who knows he's capable of something great uh, and just never stopped until he achieved it. Right. And I think there was so many points in his life where it could have not worked out. Right. There would have been so many points where he could have quit. Um, I'm, I'm even thinking like other you know, like great athletes. I'm thinking Kobe Bryant. Like he grew up in good circumstances. He had a good family, he had a strong family unit. Like obviously he's ex an exceptional individual when it comes to hard work. That's what he's known for. Um, but I just think there were so many points in LeBron's life where he could have easily just said, I'm done. I'm done. Or even when he was already in the league, had already achieved fame. Like, then he loses the 2011 finals. And it would have been easy to kind of just, like, coast for the rest of your career, knowing that you're already a Hall of Famer, already an all-time great. But, like, he wanted to be the best. So then at, at that point in time, even though he was already famous, he, he made 10 straight NBA finals. So kind of inspiring to see, like, his resilience, right? so many points in time leading up to it when he was already in it um, where he could have said you know taking a break and then not to mention he said so many great things for his community as well um, so he gave back to kind of where he came from um, which is pretty cool um, I'll try to make the second one non-sport <laughs> even though that's my love I think number two I guess it's sport would probably be Muhammad Ali um, I think he's somebody who just, again, faced so much adversity in his life, kind of did the unpopular thing, 
or, or did things that were hard to do, speak out when it wasn't easy to do, right? Um, so I think just the fact that he wasn't afraid to be a rebel, right? But it was for a good cause. He wasn't like disrupting or, or hurting other people. Um, I just kind of like his bravery, right? At a time where it wasn't easy to be brave. Um, and then I think the last one, and this is kind of just a complete 360, um, and it's because I kind of lack this type, but I think Walt Disney would be another one just because I do not consider myself a creative individual, right? So I think for me, somebody who likes knowing and learning, and I feel like a lot of creativity is innate. A lot of people are just kind of born with that creative touch, um, but I think kind of picking his brain, right? I think I'm creative with my words, but I'm not necessarily creative with my ideas or or visually creative right so i i think he'd be really cool to kind of have that unique perspective somebody far different from myself with far different skill set far different talents just to kind of learn from them because they're so different from you and they view life and from a complete different lens yeah what's been your greatest success oh man i I think my greatest success isn't necessarily anything like monetary or, or like goal achievement. I just think my greatest success is honestly mm. just being a good person, right? I think at the end of the day, um, that's what we should all strive to be, right? Especially in today's world, like there's so much division, right? I absolutely hate politics because politics just causes division, right? I'm not a political person. Um, obviously, I have opinions like other people. Um, but I don't let that impact what I think of other people. Um, you know, I don't let that impact my day to day or how I live my life. Right. And I think just kind of having that attitude where like, I don't care what somebody thinks or believes, like I just value there being go. good to other people. Right. I'm obviously not perfect, right. I'm, but I strive to, you know, treat other love people it. with that love respect. Uh, that's awesome, man. Well, here's, here's the third final four question is, Superman flies, the Hulk has his strength, the Flash is really fast. Will, what's your superpower? What's something that's uniquely you that's your superpower? I think my superpower is the ability to kind of make people feel comfortable, you know, even when mm. they don't know me, right? Yeah. I think somebody can easily meet me, and even if they have no idea who I am, um, I make them kind of put them at ease, right? They know I'm harmless. They know my intentions are good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think that's part of the reason why, where I, I believe I can be good at what yeah. I do, mm-hmm. right? When I randomly reach out to people and they have no idea who you are and just the nature of the communication sure. can cause tension. Um, so it's just kind of nice to, and it's just who I am. I don't try to be that way. The last question is, um, you've had a unique path, right? Um, which I think is, it's valuable. You know, some people, just, you know, they follow this traditional path of I'm going to do this, then do that, do that, and I'm start my career, et cetera. Um, when I think about that, I think there's a story there. If you were to write an autobiography, what would the title be? I think it would probably just be Overcome, right? Everybody's had adversity in their life, but I don't think my adversity is necessarily harder. If anything, somebody would probably look at my life and probably think, you know, you've had it easier than a lot of people. Um, but even so... You know, everybody's life, regardless of where they are, you know, comes with some type of challenge, right? Um, and my whole life, not just 
you know, not just working career, right? Like I played football growing up. I was like 150 pounds as a junior in high school. I was 190 pounds as a a senior because I hit the weight room and became really strong, right? And I didn't get into the business school, you know, where I went to school, right? I didn't let that impact me. Um, You know, 95% of the jobs I applied for, I didn't get. Yeah. So. But you persevered. In a way, it's a blessing. You you kind of always end up where you should be anyway. That's right. That's right. Smiley. I love that. You end up where you should be. That is so cool. Well, Will, man, I first, like I said, at the beginning of this conversation, this podcast, thanks for reaching out to me on LinkedIn. I, you know what, I'm so excited to, to, for us to connect and I really appreciate you being on the podcast and, and being a fellow Wisconsin person. I, uh, I, of course, played football, uh, Dre, when I was in Appleton East, Wisconsin, but I played from 81 through 84, and I'm pretty sure Will wasn't there then, but uh, I was playing. I was outside linebacker, and I, I was so excited. I was 164, and I just thought I was a mass of muscle, but that's many, many moons ago. So anyway, thanks for being on the podcast, Will. We appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, it's been good, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys. 